into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? And we are here with another Imagine If Presents Characters 101. This week we are doing The Question. Now, technically, I guess, well, I don't know. Technically, yes, The Question has not shown up in any movie or TV show yet. I don't think... Well, the best I could argue is just the, the animated DC Universe. Okay. But yeah, for the most part on the on the, on the the world view, if you weren't watching the cartoons, you might not know who he is. However, you could, and I imagine we're going to get into this later, you could um, say that uh, Rorschach is the question, right? Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's I like to call it, it's a superpower drug. It's called more, and when you want more out of your characters. <laughs> <laughs> so you take Captain Adam, you give him some more, he becomes Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I like that. It's kind of like the mutant growth hormone in the Marvel comic books, you know. Just give you more. Okay. Give you more. (laughs) So we'll get to that in a little bit, and we'll explain why Rorschach is uh, the question but more uh, in a little bit. But first, (laughs) let's get to some news. Now, I only have one little piece of news, and it's it's comic book related, but it's also TV related. So, you know, uh, Netflix is is pretty much knocking it out of the park with all these uh, uh, Marvel... uh, TV shows, and Jeff Loeb, who uh, I know we, we know uh, for the most part as a lot of as some, some writer, the writer of a lot of uh, pretty big uh, storylines in both DC and Marvel comics, but he is also the Marvel Entertainment liaison, I think, or TV Entertainment. Yeah, he's definitely. I know he's the head of TV, so whatever fancy title you've got, but yeah, he's the head of television. So which yeah, I he, also think includes your animated series. Right, exactly. So anything that's on TV, Netflix, you know, whatever that's uh, got the Marvel name on it, he is he's directly involved. Uh, so uh, he he's he's been interviewed, and I guess it was uh, a little bit ago, but he was interviewed. He was talking about She Hulk. Now he wants to make that into a or they're going to make that into a television series. It's currently in development, and there's been a lot of actresses that have been attached to it that that uh, have you know no one's got the real go, but you know it's like Jennifer Lopez, America Ferrara, Mindy Kaling, to Jerry Penson, uh, to Jerry P Henson, sorry, and uh, a lot of these these people have, have been attached to it. Now, as we know, Jennifer Walters is the alter ego of uh, She Hulk. She is a lawyer by day, and uh, due to a blood transfusion from her cousin, uh, Bruce Banner, she becomes She-Hulk. Now, uh, in this interview with, uh, I don't know exactly who it is, but Loeb says, uh, The actress I really want to tackle this isn't known exclusively for her acting, but she promised me that if she was chosen for the role... She would study under the best. I can tell you she's a powerful woman of color. 
She's already got a booked year, but I think with the formation of this project, she is going to be involved one way or another. And I think because of this, uh, you know, a lot of, and you know how the internet works, rumor after rumor. <laughs> uh, the only way it should. <laughs> exactly. Uh, a lot. The 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 big speculation is that it might be Beyonce. Uh, you know, obviously known more for her singing than acting. Uh, I think the only things that I can think of that she's in is uh, Austin Powers Gold Member and Dream Girls. Uh, I imagine there's more stuff out there. Oh, yeah. But uh, you know, the, that's the two things off the top of my head. And yeah, not the best of actress, but we've seen other stars come from other areas that you know can pull it off. I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't like Beyonce as <laughs> Jennifer Walters you know, as She-Hulk. Yeah, I mean, not to say, not to, you know, automatically not give her a fair shake, but the thing I feel that's very important when you talk about Jennifer Walters, the She-Hulk, her lawyer bit. And I don't know, that that's the part that scares me more. Because, like, okay, like, you look at, well, okay, you look at Daredevil, Netflix's Daredevil. Now, I love that show. I, I'm a Daredevil fan. I think that show is fantastic. But the one thing I do feel lacking sometimes is Matt Murdock. Right. Like when he puts on on his Daredevil costume and he does it, that's great. But the part that makes Matt Murdock, the, the, you know, the, the, the investigator, the, the lawyer and all that stuff, I feel like that's absence. I mean, they've done a great job giving that to Karen Page, and that's a great shot in the arm for her character. But that really wasn't her character at first you know she she grew into that years later because she became a victim and she realized wow i don't want somebody to go through what i went through so i i don't want that to happen and that's kind of how i felt with jennifer walters like if anything i would almost say like you know she was probably like a really good paralegal but she never made it to higher profile partner levels because she didn't have that confidence and once you know she got the blood transfusion because she's the only one who embraced the Hulk, you know, like for Bruce, it's a curse for Jennifer. It's a blessing. Right. So, I mean, you, you really got to find somebody strong that can like convince you that I like being the Hulk. I like having these powers and they're also a very smart, uh, logical person because of their lawyer background. So that's, that's going to be a tough character. And I mean, if, if, if you're right, if you're right with this, this guess with it being Beyonce, She's gonna have to put on some real big acting chops for that. It's very true, and and you know to uh, talk about the fact that uh, Matt Murdock isn't uh, focused a lot on in the TV show. I think, I mean, that's obviously why they have uh, Foggy in there. Yeah, Foggy and Karen. Yeah, to be the 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 lawyer side of it. Um, I think that it's because the show is comes off more of a, as a dramatic action show instead of a drama with action in it. That's why we right. see more of the uh, uh, Daredevil instead of uh, Matt Murdock. But I mean, which is is a, it's a detriment. I mean, we see the parts where Matt Mur- Murdock is sitting in his apartment and he's contemplating his life and you know having to go over make the decisions and stuff like that. But we don't get to see the lawyer side, like you said, and that's. That is unfortunate. Yeah, because like I mean, I, I, you know, overall I'm happy with it. Like I said, it gives it gives Karen and Foggy that stronger presence. But at the same time, it's kind of like, oh, that's a bummer because it's it's really it, it takes something from Matt. Right. But, you know, I mean, hey, you know, it's it's still doing great, so I can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, and to me, I, like the uh, one of the choices that I always thought would be great for a uh, Jennifer Walters. Um, 
uh, She-Hulk uh, actress is someone who's also wasn't an actress. She's not a, an actress at all. She's uh, 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 I, and I know I know it, it, it's probably a, you know one that a lot of people wouldn't go with, but I just think that she'd be she'd be great for the role if they were able to get her to work on her acting. But uh, Layla Ali, uh, Muhammad Ali's daughter, you know, former boxer. Wow, shape, yeah. I, I think, and she's done a lot of uh, hosting jobs, I guess, over the years. Uh, it, I, I just think if they were able to get her some acting, you know, under her belt, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a bad choice. But I would love to see who they do choose. Yeah, it will be interesting to see who who comes out the uh, the lead here. Because I mean, honestly, once once Marvel touches your life, it it changes your life. <laughs> so <laughs> it's I mean, true. you know, you come out of this a whole different person. I mean, uh, I wish I could think of the actress's name, but the one who got picked up for Captain Marvel. I mean, things are going to be way different for her now. Oh, know? Brie Larson, yeah. Yeah, there you go. She, you know, she's not. I mean, obviously, as an actress, not known for her uh, being an action star. And Marvel, I mean, Captain Marvel is obviously going to be an an action movie. A very uh, might be set in space, might not be. I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's there's a lot out there of what it could be and what it, what it, what it might be. But uh, you know, uh, Captain Marvel has got a there's going to be a lot of action, so it's going to be a different type of uh, movie role for her. I mean. I think I mean the her big movie that she she just got done with or you know when it was out last year was was Room. Uh she was in right. Scott Pilgrim versus the World as Envy Adams. She was in uh uh 21 Jump Street as the girlfriend <laughs> of Jonah Hill, but you know these this is going to be something different, but I I'm I'm okay with it. I think she's a, a great actress and uh, I I'm interested to see what what she pulls off. Yeah, because, and again, too, actually, I guess that's kind of neat with Marvel, with the female characters. There's a lot of dualities, too, because not only does she have to play Miss Marvel, the superhero, but she's also very much a military woman. So she's got to be able to sell that very convincingly, too. Like, hey, look, I, I have this, you know, she's a military career woman, you know, so that'll be that'll be something to see if she can pull those chops. Because it's funny, all those 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 movies that you listed off of hers. She does kind of play like the secondary character, which is is fine. That's how most actresses and actors start. You know, you, you're in the background. I mean, if you think of Scott Pilgrim, I mean, now it's funny because now you have that that kid is fighting for the love of Captain Marvel against Superman and Captain America. You know, so it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, Captain Marvel's in that yeah. movie is his ex girlfriend, <laughs> and he has to fight Captain America. And uh, in the comic books, is uh, Carol Danvers. Uh, She's not a captain. She's actually a major, right, in the Air Force? Actually, I think they upgraded her. She's a colonel. Oh. If I, I I believe in this latest uh, Civil War, um, they had some really good issues, and one of them was the accused. And so she has to take the stand because she was there at the, the murder of the Hulk. And, you know, when Matt Murdock's cross-examining her, he's like, all right, please state your name. And, you know, she's like, oh, uh, I'm a colonel, so you know. I guess I should be Colonel Marvel. So, yeah, she's got a different rank. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> well, I was talking about this earlier too, especially uh, talking about uh, Brie Larson uh, being announced as Captain Marvel, which was done at San Diego Comic Con this past or this year. Um, when they ma- made that announcement, it was, uh, you know, I think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is is being shot. So with the connection that Captain Marvel has to Guardians of the Galaxy as the fact that she gets her powers from the Kree, uh, I believe, right? Yes, yes, she's Kree-based. 
yeah, uh, you think maybe there might be a cameo that they filmed of Captain Marvel and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two? I hope so. I mean, I that 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 is such a great team, and the fact that there is a strong link because even in I guess basically when Bendis took over uh, the 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 Guardians of the Galaxy book, which was the, the the volume right before the movie, you know, Carol was a part of that team. So I think that'd be fantastic if they were like, hey, let's let's make sure she's a part of this. That'd be smart, you know. Maybe they could show she's already powered. Maybe that's where they hint at her origin, you know. She could be the government liaison who runs across the Guardians when they come to Earth or something. I mean, who knows? But I think it'd be smart to get her in that film somehow. Yeah, and I, I mean, the the fact that... I, I just think, I just find the fact that the two coincided as, as in the announcement of her playing the character plus the filming of... <laughs> excuse me, of the movie happening right then couldn't be too much. It couldn't be just a coincidence. So yeah, not too far a stretch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right. Well, that's, that's TV news, but let's hear some actual comic book news right now. All right. So what do we got going on? Well, uh, rebirth (laughs) is still going strong. Um, right now, if you're reading the Superman books, the Superman family's gotten even larger. I believe it was a week ago. We had the release of Superwoman. And a lot of times, and even just myself and Mitch, we were talking about this when I mentioned Superwoman, a lot of people are going to think about the crime syndicate version of Wonder Woman. Actually, this time, Superwoman is the new 52 Lois Lane. Uh, She's been imbued with the new 52 Superman's powers. So she's got the bulk of his abilities. Um, Lana Lang, the new 52 Lana Lang, she kind of is resembling like an electric Superman, but in a red version of the costume, kind of like, well, when we did Superman blue, Superman red. Um, so you got both, you know, of, of Clark's former loves running around with superpowers in the, uh, in the DCU. Um, and then we have a Superman and a Lois Lane and a Jonathan Kent, all Jonathan white. So we don't confuse them. Um, they're running around the DC new 52 world, but there are post crisis versions. So they were the ones that existed before flash flashpoint. Um, there's a mysterious Clark Kent, Lex Luthor's running around calling himself Superman. Uh, there's an eradicator. I mean, it's, this is like the death of Superman with more (laughs) (laughs) just to put it lightly. I like Um, it, but there's, there's so much going on. So it's really exciting because it harkens back to, I'm sure I think you and I, we probably entered comics around the same time. So it goes back to a fondness because before we started collecting seriously, it was, you know, you'd stop at Circle K or the grocery store rack and you'd see something and you'd pick it up. And you didn't understand that it was part of an ongoing serial story that was 50 years older than you. Um, So it's exciting because we're kind of back to that era of, you know, to me, it's fun because I remember the death of Superman was what actually got me to go actively seek out a comic book shop, which was rare because you didn't have Google and you didn't have, you know, all these fancy apps that help you find comic book stores. You had to, you know, use the yellow pages and, and drive around. <laughs> and it was tough because I was only eight years old, so I wasn't really allowed to drive around. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that's what's going on there. So anyways, what was really surprising, what was really shocking was in the first issue of Superwoman, you know, this is Lois Lane's book, or at least that's how it's pitched, she dies. She dies at the end of it. Um, you know, her last words are, what is that? Clark, oh God, I understand now. It all makes sense. <laughs> and then she pretty much dies in the same way New 52 Superman does. So are these clues? Did she see him? What does it mean? So definitely if you are reading the ongoing saga of DC Rebirth, um, if you're reading action comics and Superman, definitely make sure you're getting Superwoman. 
Um, if you could go out there and buy the issue, I recommend it. I think it's a good one to hold on to. Uh, it's definitely going to be one of those touchstones of where we're going to, where well, where DC is going with their big story with DC, New 52, pre-Flashpoint, and Watchmen to see where they're going. Um, so definitely would pick up that. So that was pretty big on the DC side of stuff. Um, what was neat in the Superman saga, Lois Lane, actually um, the pre-Flashpoint Lois Lane, um, in the Action Comics books, Superman is fighting Doomsday again. So again, adding a lot of the mythos to the the, the death of Superman. Um, so they were fighting. So Superman go well. Actually, Doomsday goes to attack John because he's like, well, you know, this Superman's a little bit tougher. So I've got to I've got to hurt him where it hurts his family. So Superman takes you know, Lois and Jonathan, and he stashes them somewhere. I think a Bat Cave. And Lois actually winds up putting on like a big Batman mech armor and she's fighting Doomsday and she's like, don't you dare hurt my child. So that was a cool moment. I was like, wow, that, that was really neat. Cool. Um, so those are some of the, so definitely Superman's knocking out of the park uh, on the Marvel side of things. Obviously there's a lot of fallout from the civil war. We just got civil war, the fallen, which was the funeral of Bruce Banner, AKA the Hulk, a uh, really touching issue. Definitely looks like it's going to set a lot of seeds for the Hulk universe of books. So it'll be interesting. Will How long will Bruce Banner stay dead, I guess, is the big question. What's going to happen? What's the ramifications? Adamus Cho, uh, you know, he was excited to be the Hulk. He's very much a pacifist, a peaceful guy, but loves his fair share of action. He's angry. So that's going to be interesting to see where that's going to take, because as we all know mathematically, anger in the Hulk doesn't add up very well. Um, <laughs> One other quick plug. Obviously, I've been talking crazy amounts of information about the Spider-Man books, and there's been a couple articles being released out there. So Spider-Man, the clone conspiracy, that's coming up. Um, that's going to be the big storyline with the Jackal, as we mentioned in a previous 101. So get ready to start looking out for that. It's going to be exciting because a lot of old, like basically, the joke has always been, you know, yeah, how long is that character going to stay dead? Oh, it's just another scam. Marvel, Spider-Man, Dan Slott, they are just basically saying, we're going to tear off the doors of death. Anybody's coming back. So, I mean, are we going to see uh, Uncle Ben? Is he going to come back? You know, and that'll be interesting because Aunt May's married and moved on. So, wow, what, what could happen there? For me, my personal hope, I'm hoping to see Ben Riley. Um, but I was really discouraged. There was an interview with Dan Slott and I believe comic book resources. And he was like, they asked him, Oh, so what about Ben Riley? And he's like, yeah, when Ben Riley died, he turned into a puddle of goo. So that's going to be tough to bring him back. Probably <laughs> wouldn't count on it. So I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> They're still going to take my money, but damn it. I was hoping for Ben Riley. <laughs> now Dan Slott said this. Mm -hmm. No, I think that yeah, Dan Slott put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that could just be a way to throw him off. So people don't expect, you know, Ben Riley to show up and then boom, he's there. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Cause I mean, to, to, to flatly ask that, you know, so obviously if, you know, if I'm thinking it, another comic book websites thinking it, you know, it, it's not too far off to say, yeah, Ben's coming back. So I think it was neat that Dan slot. Yeah. He just kind of was like, Nope, he's goo. And then, yeah, who knows? There might be a page where, Oh shoot, there he is. Cause Kane, uh, the other, genetically screwed up clone of peter parker he became scarlet spider 
Um, and he started showing more powers of the other where he had that extra claw. And I guess he actually got to a point where he mutated even further into a spider, like a very man spider looking thing. Um, and it was presumed he died in Spider-Verse. But there's actually an epilogue. If you read that one, I'm not sure which issue, but if you read that one, you see a cocoon and out comes a hand. And it's pretty much implied that Kane is back from the dead. He's back to normal. So I figure, well, if we're getting Kane, you know, and he was very uh, in the article, he was very uh, Dan Slott. He was very much adamant to make sure he mentioned that because I guess people were saying, oh, well, when's Kane going to come back? And he was like, did you not read the epilogue? <laughs> so. Who knows? Maybe, you know, it's uh, exactly it could just be one of those things to try to deter, you know, like that way that you'll read it and you'll be excited about it. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't I mean, if if all these other characters that have died could come back, a puddle of goo can be reconstituted. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I mean, just especially since I, I know and you know from past experiences, when you go to a, a convention and you get to talk to one of these writers, especially if they're on a panel and you ask them a question, they say, what's the question? <laughs> what's the answer that they always give? Even if they know for a fact that it's not going to happen, they, they what is the answer they give? Oh, just keep reading. Keep reading, true believer. <laughs> That's right. Keep buying. Keep reading. So, uh, you know, many questions I've had, uh, I've asked, and uh, they say keep reading, which to me implies, oh yeah, your answer will sh- will soon show up. Never shows up. So for him to just blatantly come out and be like, no, that can't happen. That to me just be like, oh well, you're throwing, you're trying to throw me off. That actually is going to happen. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it's funny because I almost I think about our experiences with talking to creators. I'm almost to a point nowadays where I don't want to ask them and I don't want to like suggest something because it's like I feel like I, we give them an idea. Like I always think to you and Paul Jenkins with Origin, you know, it's like, hey, was it the grandpa? Did the grandpa pop clubs? I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> it's like he was probably thinking that he was like, man. That could be a really good twist. Oh, I'm going to go work elsewhere. Who cares anymore? And it's like, damn it. That's true, yeah. That one will always always get me. And I'm just like, man, you can't just give me a straight answer. You already created the book. It's out there. People have read it. Yep. Well, I think my my biggest one that I was – and it was funny because I scooped this one. Uh, It was years ago at San Diego Comic-Con, and they had Ivan Rise at the time was the biggest Green Lantern artist he was, you know, working alongside Jeff Johns, and this is before the Green Lantern movie came out. So Green Lantern was just everybody was loving it. You, you were seeing the emotional spectrum and all this stuff. And so I went to the Ivan Rise panel because I was like, dude, it's Ivan Rise. This guy lives in Brazil, I think. So you know, it's obviously I'm not going to get to meet him any other time. So I go to the panel, and it was funny because it was very small. No one was there. So it was like, all right, and. You know, he, he's talking about how he got into comics, why he loves to draw, this, that, and the other. And it was funny because you could just see the people that went to that panel, all they wanted was signatures and sketches. You know, they, they could care less about his story. So he's like, all right, you know, now that I'm done talking, who wants to ask any questions? And, you know, everybody's just kind of foaming at the mouth to jump up and start getting, you know, autographs. I'm like, well, dude, this guy flew over here. Let's talk to him. So I get up and I ask a question. I was like, well all right, you know, I don't know if you can talk about what's on your schedule, but what's next? Like, what are you working on next? And he doesn't even hesitate. He just blurts it out there. Oh, Secret Origin 2, the the, the fall of Sinestro. And I'm like, what? This is insane. Oh, my God, this is going to be fantastic. I, I put it out there. You know, luckily a couple of, I guess, you know, one or two affiliates from a website were there, so they put it out there. And, you know, it's like, oh, this is going to be great, man. 
and yeah, it never happened. <laughs> it just died in the ether, you know? It was like, oh, man. So I'm almost like, God, I shouldn't have asked the question because now I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known what was out there. I can only imagine that it's probably just sitting somewhere in a, a DC, uh, you know, filing cabinet. is like some of the concept art that he'd already put out there, or drawn for them, and, and maybe some scripts that whoever was writing it, and I assume it was probably Jeff Johns, had written and it's just sitting in a filing fold or in a filing cabinet, just collecting dust. I know, right? It's just this beautiful story is just there behind four metal walls. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one one other quick observation I wanted to make because I was talking about Spider Man. Uh, another book that's coming out, um, Amazing Spider Man: Renew Your Vows. So for those of you that were fans of Spider Man and Mary Jane, uh, we recently got to revisit them during the Marvel Secret Wars as a tie-in. And now it turns out that book was doing so good that it's going to get its own. It's going to continue, which I find funny because Mitch and I were just talking about this. You know, when we were when we first started comics, you know, the big storylines were the death of Superman and the clone saga, you know, for Superman and Spider-Man, respectively. And obviously, you know, Spider-Man's been married to Mary Jane since like the 70s. Uh, The death of Superman was what interrupted the wedding of Superman. Then eventually both couples got hitched and, you know, you're kind of wondering, okay, well, when are they going to get married? Or not married, but when are they going to, you know, have a child? And the clone saga definitely played heavily with that. You know, Mary Jane was pregnant during that series, um, even to the point that when it all came to a crux at Spider-Man 75, you know, we discovered that the spider baby was probably stillborn or maybe even kidnapped, you know, because that led to the whole alternate universe MC2 which was fantastic. If you haven't read that stuff, go out there and read it. Um, so I was hoping when they were going to do Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, we would get Mayday, Mary, well, May Parker back. But instead, they've got this new girl. Um, oh, gosh, Annie Parker. That's her name, Annie Parker. So, you know, she's the daughter of Spider-Man and Mary Jane. And Mary Jane this time in this mini are I don't know if it'll be a miniseries or an ongoing book. I guess it depends on the numbers. Um, but Mary Jane's actually going to suit up. She's going to wear... Kind of picture Spider-Man's costume, but a little bit more hip coverage, and it'll be white instead of blue, and she'll have exposed hair and exposed face with just like an eye mask. So, um, white like Gwen, uh, Spider Gwen. Yeah, kind of a little. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. That's funny. So now we'll, we'll have you know Spider-Man's amazing collection of X's, <laughs> <laughs> all with spider powers. Um, but I do find it funny because yeah, it's like you could tell that the comic books are definitely recognizing that we are probably the now we're the prime audience because yeah it's what events are being recirculated we do have a version of the death of superman fighting doomsday in dc rebirth we have the clone conspiracy coming up in marvel now um you know we we got the pre-flashpoint superman and lois with jonathan kent as superboy or jonathan white as superboy is coming back in their own book and now we're gonna have spider-man and mary jane mrs and mrs spider with their daughter spider girl you know so it's kind of funny how what was told you know 10 plus years ago no this is bad we don't want our characters to grow up we don't want them being dads and now it's back so it'll be (laughs) interesting because does that give hope because like i know a strong character you liked was connor hawk yes but connor hawk was tough because that makes ollie quinn a dad and that makes him an older dad because connor was kyle and wally's age you know right you know but i i think we're at a point where that legacy just makes the characters that much better we love families why wouldn't (laughs) we love our superheroes to have them too exactly 
And uh, now with uh, the fact that uh, Mary Jane and and uh, Peter have a daughter named Annie Annie Parker, you said. Yeah. Is that because uh, instead of naming them after Aunt May, they named her after Aunt Anna, Aunt Anna Watson? That's that's the only thing I can think of. Like I didn't I didn't get to actually sit down and read it in detail. I just kind of would flip through it at my leisure. But that's my best assumption. Yeah, that way we we can see that there's a distinction. So you know that way. Yeah, you have May Parker, and then you have Annie Parker. So that way each aunt happens. So now that's funny because if we go to the DC side of stuff. We have Jonathan White, Samuel White, and he's going to be like an evil Superboy or something, you know, to reflect the lowest side of the family or something. <laughs> so why is he named uh, Jonathan White? Is he related to Perry White somehow? Well, so the way they did it, um, they couldn't, like, when Lois and Clark, so, okay, in the, the storyline Convergence, we can see that there's a... Um, various cities from various DC universes, the multiverse have been abducted and they're put in these little domes and they were put on the planet Telos and Telos turns out to be uh, a sentient planet. So kind of like ego and silver surfer mixed together. Right. So anyways, the domes come well, while they were in under the domes, they were also powerless. So that's why Superman and Lois were able to have a child. And so obviously when they were on the dome, they were still Superman, Clark Kent, Lois Lane. Um, then the domes were dropped and we had the big convergence storyline. So you had, um, in the, it was the Superman book that you were supposed to read. And in it, you have the pre-crisis or post-crisis Superman and Lois, the, you know, they're, they're going to deal with the fact that she's going to give birth to the child. And then they're attacked by the pre or sorry, they're attacked by the flashpoint Superman green lantern. So basically the flashpoint justice league, um, because they deem Superman a threat. Well, during the fight, you know, Superman finds out Lois is going to give birth. Um, the crazy Flashpoint Superman kidnapped, and, you know, because he, he liked her and she was the only person who was kind to him. But it's kind of one of those things where it's like this version could be like the crazy stalker guy. So he doesn't want, you know, Lois around around him, around her. Um yeah, because the, especially while she's going to give birth, you know, the Flashpoint Superman was the one that was kept underground by the government for the for the longest time, right? Yeah, exactly. So he's kind of you know he's he's real probably schizophrenic, you know, he's got some issues. Um, so yeah, so they they go, they defeat him, and then it's the Thomas Wayne Flashpoint Batman. He's there, and he's kind of like, I'm sorry, I, I recognize that you are a good man. It's you know I, I shouldn't have done this. Um, so he essentially talks Superman through giving birth or well, helping deliver the baby and boom. So after the convergence, the heroes were, you know, displaced and whatnot. So somehow the new 52 Superman and Lois and their baby Jonathan were sent to the new 52 world. And they couldn't really resume their lives or go public because there already was a Superman and a Lois Lane there. So they decided to take the last name White in honor of Perry White. So now it's Clark White and Lois White. Um, whether or not they're going to go back to being Clark Kent, Lois Lane, that remains to be seen because exactly where they're at. And plus the ramifications of the storyline truth, that'll be tough because that was the story where Lois outed super or outed Clark Kent as Superman. Okay. So it'll be real interesting to see how the pieces come together. But yeah, they're, right now they're running around with the last name White. And then I saw online, uh, I don't remember where, and I don't I don't know if this actually is a, uh, some type of uh, official art from DC Comics, but I saw something where 
you had uh, Superman and Bruce Wayne or Superman and Batman like chin to chin uh, face off, but then you had Damien oh. and, a, and a little boy, a Superboy, uh, also chin to chin. Yes, that will actually. That's the upcoming new story um, where we're going to have essentially Robin and Superboy meet for the first time. So yeah, that was the the, the upcoming solicits for the DC Comics probably. I don't know, maybe November, December. And yeah, that's going to start a storyline where it's going to be like, I think they're calling it world's finest. I'm not sure. And so, yeah, we're going to have, you know, Superman and Batman probably working on their relationship because they know they're friends, but they're not their version of Superman and Batman. And then obviously Damian Wayne is, you know, he's Damian and Jonathan's kind of, you know, he's like, you know, it's going to be the whole, well, my dad could beat up your dad type of thing. <laughs> So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. <laughs> Very cool. All right. So, you know, that's a good a good catch up on, on what's going on in comics right now. Thanks for thanks for that. And uh, I think we can go ahead and get on with our uh, 101, the character 101 of uh, the question. Now, this was sent in by uh, our friend Curly, uh, Ramon Garcia on, on Facebook. And, and he wanted to know, he, I guess he just wanted a, a, a brief history like we do of, of this particular uh character so uh yeah well very uh, a very interesting character a great character to pick um let's see the question yeah he um it's funny because he comes right out of like june of 1967 so he was very much i i would say a controversial character and because of that controversy that's definitely played more into the the comic books and the actualness of him so i think that's really neat that he's he's turned into what he's turned into so, so, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, was, <laughs> well, let's see. I guess I'll, I'll toss out the uh, the logistics on the character. So, let's see here. The question with his secret identity, Charles Victor Zaz, which I think they changed to Vic Sage because of the Batman character. Um, he first appeared in Charlton Comics, which was another independent publisher. Um, he appeared in Blue Beetle number one, June of 1967. So that was his first appearance. Then when the Charlton comics kind of folded, essentially they, they couldn't retain their publication, the, the money and everything. Uh, they were folded into DC comics. So they joined the DC universe during the crisis on infinite earth. Uh, they were folded into the new DC universe and they'd pretty much been recognized as characters that had been around from the start. Um, he was created by, uh, Steve Ditko, who's the other half of Spider-Man. So really cool looking visual art. If you ever get a chance, go back and look at the original stuff. Steve Ditko is a very refound artist. I mean, some of the art's a little crude, I'm not going to lie, but his layouts and visuals were really cool looking. So um, I also thought that so, this is very interesting, the, the fact that uh, his the original name for uh, the question, Vic Sage, came from Charles Victor Zaz. Which you know we know as Victor say or Zaz or however you want to say it is that uh, homicidal killer in the Batman universe that you know after he kills a person puts a, a slash mark on his own body. Yeah. Is has there been any books where you know the two have been related? Like maybe the the fact that you know they have they share this name and you know uh, live in this world together. I don't, I don't think anybody's touched on that, which is funny because they're both connected by Denny O'Neill, 
and Denny O'Neill is a big editor of the Batman comics. And you would think, yeah, they'd be like, man, we should totally have it that they're cousins or something. And, you know, wouldn't that be great? Because Victor is, well, Zaz, I don't know how you pronounce it, but Zaz is, you know, he's a, he's a high profile serial killer. And the question when he's in his secret identity is a high profile, you know, TV newsman. So wouldn't that be a great, like, yeah, here you go. You know, it's like, Oh, I have to track this guy down because he's family because he's ratings and because it's the right thing to do. You know, yeah, that just totally screams a story right out of the headlines, you know, or, you know, some kind of lifetime movie of the week. You know, it definitely has some good moments where they could have played with that. Interesting. So yeah, so you better keep that one away from the comic book convention. Like, hey, is anybody? <laughs> that's a good idea. Keep reading. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, what we're talking about now, he did come from the Charlton comics. Now, uh, some of the other characters to come from Charlton comics would have been... Uh, Captain Adam, like you said. Um, yep. Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle. Uh, Peacemaker. Phantom Lady. Or Phantom Woman. Phantom Lady, I think. Um, all, <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm cheating. I'm thinking of Watchmen because that's actually... That, that's what happened. I guess if you're cool with it, we'll segue into that real quick. Um, so, yeah, when DC acquired the Charlton characters... You know, they were kind of they were holding off on them. They didn't know exactly how to release them just yet, because it's funny. If you ever read the uh, Christ on Infinite Earth, Captain Adam, for example, that was when he wore his. It was kind of like I think it was blue shirt, silver arms, white hair. That was the way his costume looked. Um, And, you know, so that's what we thought Captain Adam was going to be. But then, like, probably, I don't know, two or three late two or three years later, they released the Captain Adam book. And that's where we got the classic all silver body with the red Adam design and the blue boots. And, you know, even then they're they're actually almost two different characters. Uh, the original Captain Adam was very more of a military scientist and the modern Captain Adam was, you know, just a, a test pilot or a, a, an Air Force officer who was very much into investigations. So they were two different people. But anyways, um, Alan Moore, he, you know, he had his grand idea for Watchmen and, you know, he was like, oh, well, I need some characters. So he pitched it originally with the Charlton characters. So he was going to take Peacemaker, who became the comedian. Uh, the question who we're talking about, he became Rorschach. Captain Adam, who was Dr. Manhattan. Uh, Phantom Lady, who became Silk, Silk Spectre. Spectre. Um, Blue Beetle, who was the owl. And lastly, the peacemaker who became the comedian. And so he, he you know, he but he, he originally pitched it. And I think it was Dick Gordiano. And he was like, hell no. If you do that to these characters, we can't use them. They're going to be destroyed. This is, just, you know, like, you know, at the time, because we never had comic books like that. You know, he's like, yeah, this is some weird ass shit, man. <laughs> right. I mean, so there's, he was like, there's... Yeah, just. Just make up your own. <laughs> yeah, there's there's obviously you know depictions of uh, mass homicide and uh, and uh, the uh, rape and you know there's all all kinds of questionable things that we didn't see in com in mainstream comic books that till up to that point and and to have these characters that they still that DC still wanted to uh, use and make money off of to be I mean I don't want to say sullied but you know obviously put a a, a, a black mark on them like that at that point would have uh, probably hurt the characters quite a bit or you oh, know, yeah. maybe, maybe actually boosted their, their sales. I mean, maybe we would have gotten a, uh, 
a darker reality comic book much earlier than we ended up getting him. But, uh, yeah, so he goes and he makes different, he basically gives them different names, but they're all still pretty similar to what their, uh, starting point were. So yeah, Rorschach wears a, a mask that has a face that constantly changes. Whereas the question has a, wears a mask that makes it so he has no face. Exactly, yeah. And let's talk about that. His costume, the the question's costume is is uh is the blue suit with the blue trench coat and uh blue fedora hat, but he also has this uh particular mask that has no face on it. So, you know, instead of wearing a a traditional mask like a domino mask or a uh, you know, something to cover his face, he he makes it look like he has no face, so he can't be seen, he can't be told who he or no one can tell who he is. Yeah, yeah, even even the hair color changes. He's mostly depicted kind of like a probably a strawberry blonde and when he becomes the question it turns it to like a jet black hair. So yeah, he definitely becomes you know, it, it's an interesting thing. It's kind of neat because it's, you know, here's a guy that you don't know anything about and he's he's a superhero so there's tons of questions about him. So I think that was a really cool costume design that they had. And which is I I also think is interesting because um you go back to uh, Dick Tracy days, and you know Dick T- Tracy obviously wears the the yellow suit with the yellow uh, trench coat and the yellow fedora hat, and then you have a character in his storyline that has no face. And if we remember from the Warren Beatty movies, that ended up being Madonna's character for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> but I, I wonder if you know, since what uh, the question was created in the '60s, I believe. Yeah, sixty-seven. Yeah, uh, you know if that if the the no-faced man in Dick Tracy had any uh, you know bearing on the origin or, or the creation of uh, the question. I would definitely say there's there's yeah I think you found that there's definitely source material in that because you know it, it's tough you know when you when you've got all these comic books out there and especially no offense to Charlton Comics but you know they're a third-party publisher so I mean if you're not Marvel and DC. Who are you? And especially back then. I mean, nowadays, yeah, you know, we've got Image, you know, Dynamite and, and other companies. But, you know, back then it was kind of like, no, nah, it's DC or Marvel. I mean, you know, and probably even then a lot of people didn't look at it. But you want your comics looking as close to the uniform as possible. So I, I could definitely see that, yeah, you know, they were stealing from each other a lot. Because it's funny, um, if you ever read about the origins of how the Blue Beetle was created – you know, they asked the, the creator, like, oh, how did you come up with the idea of the Blue Beetle? And he's like, two words, green hornets. <laughs> <laughs> it, it killed me. I was like, oh, man, this is such a cool character. Wait, what? He's a ripoff? Wow, how did I not see that? <laughs> um, so I could definitely see, you know, definitely, yeah, there's some uh, Dick Tracy elements. Obviously, the, the suspense, the murder mystery of it all definitely is inherent in the question. I could see that, yeah, he's definitely got some roots, uh, some inspirations from the Dick, the Dick Tracy. Good call on that. Uh, so, I, and I know that in the more modern telling of his 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 story, his character, he's He's very much rooted in uh, mystics and magics and stuff like that. Uh, is that how he was in the ori- in his original telling? You know, it's hard to tell. I, I would say he was definitely. I don't. I don't want to put him into. He had that much metaphysicalness to him, but I would definitely say he was very much an open-minded guy. But yeah, once once he got taken over by DC, there was there was a lot of mysticism put into the character. You know, it's. 
not only is he, you know, fighting social injustice, but he's also, you know, this urban shaman that, you know, has relations to Nandapar and, 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 you know, the great gurus along with, you know, his television connections. <laughs> <laughs> See, and then the, I guess that brings me to another thing is that uh, growing up reading DC Comics and, and stuff like that, when the question, I, I've never actually picked up a, a run of of the question anything like that i don't i don't believe maybe maybe once it became renee montoya and you know that became another number one or a new starting point but uh i know every every few times when he would just show up in in books maybe justice league or, or something like that uh there was another character in the dc comics that i would always get him confused with because they look so similar and it'd be the phantom stranger and i at, at, unless someone oh. unless someone said their name uh, I would probably it'd take me a few a few minutes to figure out which one it is. I mean, yeah, the Phantom Stranger kind of has a lot more mystical stuff, and he wears that medallion around his neck, so he's kind of more like Doctor Strange a little bit. Uh, but, yeah. But to me, it was very uh, they were they were a little too similar in their look. Well, they were because I mean, you know, most of the time you have superheroes; they run around in these colorful costumes. The Phantom Stranger in the question, they run around in three-piece suits or a big (laughs) trench coat you know so they yeah i could totally see you know the visual that would get you because you're looking at it like wow they they do look very strikingly so the same they were they were this character that comes in and they speak more in riddles you know so that's why like i like the characters but i used to hate when they'd appear because you know it's like oh in order to answer your question you must seek the answer. <laughs> what, what kind of answer is that? I know I need to, but come on, help me here. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. The, the, these are these are two two uh, uh, characters that you know always seem to have the answers, but they don't want to give them out right right readily. They just they want you to try and figure it out, which you know works for a story. But if you were actually a person <laughs> that was uh, trying to figure something out and the world depended on it, and you, this guy just walked up into you and said. You know, uh, <laughs> the answer you seek is the seeker that you answer. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you see Batman punching him in the face, like, spill it now. <laughs> Where's the Joker? <laughs> so, I guess I mean that'd be kind of interesting. Where, where, where would you think in the and and I know this is kind of off topic at the moment, but in the D, DCEU, uh, do you ever think that we could see the question pop up? You know, that'd be tough because. If you put him out there, it kind of takes away from Rorschach. You know, like it it, it doesn't make him as unique, even though Rorschach is the ripoff. Right. So it's one of those things where it's like, I almost feel like, and, you know, regardless of our personal opinions, Watchmen is highly critical, both as the graphic novel and the the, the movie. So it's kind of like, I don't think we're ever going to see captain atom and the question now could they you know in the when we say the dceu i'm, I'm thinking movies so i don't think we'll see him there yeah that's but what i was talking about just say, the movies but i could see the television side though i could see you know the question would be great like you could totally have vic sage pop up and he's doing a report series on arrow you know like he's a character there so maybe we might not see him in the full-out theatrics of superheroism but we could see his alter ego there so I, I, I could see him popping up on Arrow. But, yeah, in terms of the movies, I doubt it just because I don't think they want to take from Rorschach. Okay, I could I could deal with that. Now, 
if if they were to create their own show, say the CW is you know doing amazing with their uh, d- uh, DC Comics television shows, would could you ever see them doing a an hour long show of just the question? You know, maybe it's a uh, supernatural detective show, which didn't quite work out for Constantine, but maybe could it work <laughs> out for this? You know, it'd be tough because even with the question himself, he's never been a character who holds out onto a comic book. You know, like he I guess he got his own solo in 87. Um, And again, that was Denny O'Neill. So obviously, you know, Denny O'Neill, if he's going to write about a character, he's very passionate about it. Um, But it it didn't really last. I want to say, you know, maybe maybe five years, which is a lot. It is a lot of time, you know, but. You know, he's never been somebody that full time carries Um, because like even okay, let's let's talk about him in New 52. And it's funny that you mentioned Phantom Stranger Um, with the New 52. They they dealt a lot with two numbers, 52 and Trinity. And we were led to believe that there was this like Trinity that screwed it all up. And the Trinity consisted of um, Pandora because of Pandora's box for some reason. Mm-hmm. The the question, for some reason, they, they put him in that big metaphysical, and the, the Phantom Stranger. So for some reason, those three characters got lumped in to be this trinity that kind of, like, essentially, they're the ones who ate the apple and screwed everything up, which, again, wound up bearing no fruit because I, I think they were going to go one way, and then they changed plans throughout like I, I think because i was the guy who was like oh you should read trinity war and <laughs> it starts off about this the trinity and then in reality it's like nope nobody really cares because you know they killed pandora they had her die uh rorschach style in uh dc rebirth and the question we haven't seen him since so who knows where he went off to so i i don't think i could see him getting his own show not to say that there isn't love for the character it's just it would be real hard to you know, to continually put something out there weekly for a series, I think. And plus, too, the, the question, what works about him is how dark and violent he is, while at the same time, how deep he can be. So I think, like, if you could do him, um, Netflix is the way to do it. You know, like, you really, like, you kind of put something out there like True Detective. You know, you, you put him in that world where he is fighting these satan- satanic uh, child molesters, you know, and it's like, that's where you do it. Because then he could unleash his anger and he could unleash his detective skills, you know. And I think that's the way to do it. If you put him on something else, no, I think he kind of gets brought in a little cheesy stuff, you know. Yeah, I think I have to agree with you. I think think the most that we might see of him is something like in Legends of Tomorrow where, you know, they travel in time. They they come up to a, a world or a time when there's some type of cult that's doing something and yeah there's the question they're answering ask, asking the questions that need to be asked and kicking people in the face <laughs> yeah <laughs> now, i'd love it like they should definitely put him in like like shakespearean era i'd love <laughs> to see his reactions and and even then like people like maybe then when he's talking they'll finally understand him because sometimes shakespearean speak has that like questioned upon answer question. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so he'll find like finally people who understand me <laughs> uh, you know i was yeah exactly but i was gonna say i love the fact that you brought up the beginning of the trinity war where you, you do see the three of them sitting there being uh, uh punished by whatever council that's supposed to be 
that starts off the Trinity War book and Phantom Stranger, they like you. You will always be the stranger, and you will never belong to anybody or any world and stuff like that. That's your punishment. And then, and then it was uh, what was it? Uh, the question is that you will always be, you will be cursed with always being the one that asks the question. And his face goes away. And <laughs> and then they even throw on the modern clothes that they're wearing, that, like you know you know them for, even though this is supposed to take yeah. place way in the past. And then what was it? Pandora is that you're always going to, you're going to travel through to, or through time, you know, as the long ways, never being, uh, never dying or something like that. And it was just like, you, you had the, the, the parts there for an interesting beginning, but then something never happened. And, <laughs> uh, it was very sad and like but then i was like i can't believe you would do that to like the question of the phantom stranger because these are two characters that have been around uh, i'm guessing since the silver age and and you're just re re rerouting their their whole origin and just like throwing it in with a couple lines of dialogue and pandora is fine because she doesn't exist or she hadn't existed until that point yeah exactly yeah it's like okay well we could use a you know a, a new origin on her sure sounds good um, but when you take the question and you throw him back into like, you know, cause at, at some points, like with the Phantom stranger, he's supposed to be the Roman soldier that pierced Christ. Right. You know, so that's why he was doomed to, to walk the earth. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, the question was there too. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have reporters back then. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> So, uh, you know, what we normally do is talk about the first time that we were introduced to the character or some of the stories that we really uh, remember the most about the character. Now, I think I'm, I have to say that probably the first time I was introduced to the question was in an animated show, either uh, Batman the Animated Series or Justice League or something like that. But I think the, 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 the storyline that I remember the most with the question would be there was this, like... Uh, one-off series that was the the question and the huntress kind of going off on their own and like the huntress was really and this is post-crisis huntress so this is uh helena uh bartonelli bartonelli instead of helena wayne and uh she has she's i I think she's coming to grips with the fact that she did something as the huntress Uh, I, i don't know if she ended up killing somebody or or you know you know, I mean, that's kind of what her, the point of her character was in the first place. Where when she was remade in the post-crisis world, she uh, wanted to get revenge on her father's organized crime family because they killed her uh, fiance, and she killed some people. And then eventually, Batman takes her in and, and retrains her. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because she kind of it's it was an interesting way to, to 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 separate the character but still keep the character. So. They couldn't have her be the daughter of Batman, so they re- reincarnated her. And yeah, she was very much a troubled hero, so she got under the wing of Batman, and she had that mean streak and investigative side to her. And so yeah, I do remember a couple times with her and the Question teaming up, and they were even kind of hinting, yeah, like a little bit of a romance there, which I thought I thought that would have been great. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, the, yeah, and that's where I mean I was getting to. I think that's because I remember I remember them being out in the woods and like you know like you see in a lot of the. 90s movies of uh you know someone having to go out in the woods and and chop wood to find their center again or whatever (laughs) so uh that's what i remember from that storyline um and then you know in the in the justice league cartoon he was always voiced by an actor by the name of jeffrey combs and a very good actor i think he's most people know him from uh the reanimator movie but uh, i i personally know him from frighteners he was the 
the FBI agent that was into the occult stuff and very funny, very funny, very funny actor. So, uh, Oh, that's, that's perfect. Cause that is totally the question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what about you? Some memorable storylines that you remember? Well, let's see for me, honestly, um, the way I remember the question, and this is why I always think of as a secondary character, but it was the blue beetle. Um, when they relaunched, like I said, when they, when they brought the Charlton characters full force into the DC universe, um, one of the characters to get their own book was Blue Beetle. And it was the 1986 Blue Beetle comic books. And it was issues five, six, and seven. And it was, you know, ask the, white, ask the right question. And I thought it was neat because I guess, like, obviously that introduced me to the characters and then I went back and, you know, discovered more about them. But the question and Blue Beetle were buddies. You know, they were, they were friends and they would work together and they were lighthearted back when they were under Charlton. So would this so be? That's obviously what took. I'm sorry. Would this be? Oh, would this be Dan Garrett Blue Beetle or would this be uh, Ted Cord Blue Beetle? No, this is actually Ted Cord. Yeah, no, Ted Cord and and Vic Sage, those two worked together. Uh, by the time Vic came around, Dan Garrett had already passed away. So the Golden Age Blue Beetle was gone. Um, so you had those two, and you know they were both quirky personalities and stuff like that. So I thought it was cool. And obviously, when Watchmen came along, they had Rorschach and Night Owl. You know, they were buddies and you could see that they were buddies, but they weren't really buddies. You know, they were kind of like, well, I'm the unpopular kid with no friends, but I'll hang out with the weird kid. And that's what probably both of them thought about each other. (laughs) (laughs) And so I thought it was neat because then that that form of the relationship came on to this new version of the Blue Beetle books. And so they basically, you know, they're investigating a big gang war that's going on in town. You know, a lot of... um, Youth gangs are fighting. It's going to lead to people dying in the streets and all this crazy stuff. And, you know, somebody's manipulating it. Who's manipulating it? So I thought it was neat because obviously they don't trust each other. Like Blue Beetle, when he was introduced into the DCU, he was very much a lighthearted, kind character. You know, the DC was probably happy because they're like, oh, we found our version of the Punisher. And then when the, when the, the, the question was introduced, you know, you might also play off that he's kind of like a Punisher. You know, he's running around you know, cracking kneecaps and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, definitely. If you, if you want to read about the question, I would recommend blue beetle issues five, six, and seven. Um, they're from 1986. So check your quarter bins, your dollar bins, uh, look for some old comics. That's, that's the story I was introduced. Uh, the next time I ran into them several years later, um, probably actually the cartoon, the justice league unlimited cartoon. And yeah, he was, he was a great character. Um, because he was so annoying to everybody, you know, they're just like, Oh my God, what's up with this guy? Why he's got this arrogant air? And I at one point he was like going through the trash and they're like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, I'm getting clues. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he was just always such an odd duck, which I found funny and refreshing. I was like, Oh, this character is hilarious. This is great. Um, so yeah, so that was great. I think, I think honestly the character really found himself when they did the justice league cartoon. So, you know, whatever episodes he was on, definitely watch those, enjoy those. Um, and then with that little bit of popularity, he actually was granted another miniseries. Um, it came out around 2005. Um, the writer was Rick Vetch. He was cool. Like, uh, Rick, Rick's written a lot of good stuff. So I was like, okay, you know, let me, let me check this out. And it was really neat because it, it focused more on his journalistic skills. 
Um, if I remember correctly, I, I think it had something to do with like Superman. So it, it tied in with Lois Lane, you know, and they were basically, all right, let's let's discover this plot, what's going on, you know, conspiracies. Obviously, it must be Lex Luthor, things like that. So it was actually, it was really good. Um, and I guess what was wild about that one, too, was the question actually started using drugs to help him with his, like, shaman visions, you know, things like that. So, you know, that was like, wow, okay, you know, this is this is interesting. So definitely gave him some changes in his character. Cool. So, I mean, they, they, I mean, those are some definite stories that we can all take out. I think the, the Huntress one is called for Cry for Blood, and uh, you got uh, the one that you were talking about um, before that and uh, the episodes of Justice League Unlimited. Um, before New 52 came about, they did uh, uh, transfer over the legacy of the question to another character. Now, Yes, yeah. So when, when 52 came out, uh, the year-long weekly book, which I, you know, I forgot about that too. That, that was another big exposure of the question. So yeah, the weekly book, and we, we see that Renee Montoya starts you know, questioning the question and, and working with him. Um, so that, that eventually led to, like you were saying there, um, her being the next legacy of the question. Right. And th- so, yeah, and this would have been, you know, before they gave him the <laughs> uh, long living, long longevity or immortality that we got from Trinity War. But uh, <laughs> Renee, Renee Montoya, which I think is best known for the Batman anime series, which I Technically, she was initially created for Batman the Animated Series uh, yeah, as a detective yeah, in the GCPD, but DC Comics was able to preemptively put out put her into a comic book before she debuted in the, the Animated Series, just because it takes so long for animation to happen. So, Oh, no kid! I didn't know that. I thought she was always a TV character first. Well, I mean, technically I she is a TV character, yeah. For, yeah, but she was... Her first appearance is Batman 475, March 1992. So just before the cartoon, or she came out in the cartoon. But uh, yeah, technically she was created for the cartoon. So uh, I guess at this point in, in DC Comics, in, during 52 or right before 52, she's uh, kind of a little bit... Is she is she washed up from the DC, GCPD yet? I think so. I think she's just kind of like a private investigator. But yeah, she's dealing with her... Her sexuality, her alcoholism, you know, all these, you know, things that are weighing her down, kind of a, oh, what's Luke Cage's wife? What, what the Jessica Jones before Jessica Jones? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, she's, yeah, she's in a, she's her own private detective uh, firm or, or, you know, business or whatever. And she's definitely uh, not part of the GCPD because she's seen a little bit too much from, all the psychopaths that exist in Gotham city and, you know, having to work next to, to Batman or, or, or however you put it. So, uh, I'm, I'm guessing the question seeks her out or did you say she seeks out the question? Actually, I think, yeah, he, he questioned her. He, he called her out. He, um, cause that's right. I was, I was looking here and, um, he was the one, he put the bat signal out, but he threw a question mark on it. And he put it right at her window, and he asked her if she was ready. So that's right. He sought her out. So he basically kind of knew that, all right, she's going to be somebody that will – because obviously she questioned the, D, the GCPD. So he looked to her as, all right, you know, you're probably going to be the, the next person to come along and, 
you know, say the stuff that nobody wants to hear. Right. And then that's when you, I mean, that's when you find out that he, I, I think he knows that he's dying, right? I think so. I think, I forget if he, yeah, because he had a disease, right? He was dying of something like baby of cancer or something like that. Right. So I think he was, he was, he's out there yeah. trying to find him, find a uh, replacement for himself. And he puts her through the training that he had and all the mysticism and all, all that stuff. And we had, basically she became the new, the, the question she existed all the way up into, until uh flashpoint. And then I don't even know if she did Renee Montoya even make it into the new 52. I don't think she made it in initially at first. Um, I think it took a while. Then they finally slowly reintroduced her. Um, but I, I don't even think during her time in the new 52, I think she's just Renee Montoya. She's just a cop. She had never been, you know. The question, right. The question. Yeah. So. Um, actually, no, they, they said right here, yeah. She made her official debut in Detective Comics number 41. So obviously, you know, 40 plus months into the new 52, they introduced her. But they just introduced her as Harvey's Harvey Bullock's partner. So, yeah, they didn't they didn't give her any of the uh, the question stuff. And I, I assume at this point in Rebirth, she hasn't made an, uh, an appearance. No, I, I don't think they've gotten to her yet. Maybe something in Detective Comics. I, I, haven't, I haven't had a chance to sit down and read those. But, yeah, I don't think she's – obviously, they're going to go more with their top-tier characters first and then trickle down. And she's probably a CD-level character, so we'll see what happens there. And uh, I mean, is in the in the Rebirth uh, set of comics, and I know that we're still pretty new uh, with Rebirth. Uh, obviously, we're only a few months in. Uh, is there any uh, Gotham Central or Gotham CD CP or GCPD book out there yet? No, nothing yet. Like the Batman family stuff, you've got Batman and Detective. Um, Detective would be the book where you'd probably look yeah, if you want the street level cops and things like that. That's that's your team book, your heist book, your your suspense cop drama book. So, you know, that's probably where they're definitely putting those characters. All right. Well, there is a pretty thorough and uh, uh, good look at the question. So that's your question 101. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that's I, I mean, I, I think that's appropriate. I mean, we don't we don't dive really far into the characters we give you the highlights because that's what a 101 class kind of does you if you want to learn more you gotta go to 202 and uh uh eventually uh you know we we might get into deeper cuts of of characters but we're still doing 101 so uh curly i hope that answered a lot of your questions or at least gave you the background that you wanted so that you can go and uh do some some research yourself yeah definitely also uh check out blackest night because i think if i remember correctly i think he came back the original question he came back as a black lantern so that was kind of cool to see him you know unleashed you know and and show more of his darker sides so there was another little spotlight story but yeah you know he's he's one of those characters he's a tough one because he's 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 better off as a a guest appearance type character as a, as opposed to a main star character. Well, I mean, yeah, and that makes sense because like the 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 nature of his character is shrouded in mystery. It's supposed, you know, the more you answer about him, the less cool the character is going to be because he he doesn't have that mystery about him. Exactly. I mean, look at Wolverine. Remember when he didn't have an origin and he didn't know anything? <laughs> and you didn't know if Logan was a first name or a last name and Turns out it was neither. Everything about him. Uh, Turns out it was his father's gardener. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Uh, 
anything else did you want to add just just for throw out there i guess just you know um for for fans of excitement you know um keep an eye out the the post-civil war stuff's going to be exciting so probably follow your iron man and captain marvel books um you know we've already had one major death but who's to say what could happen um civil war actually did get expanded an extra issue so i believe it's going to be eight issues um if anything when a civil war ends you know you've got to look for that 25th issue of a comic book uh a major thing could happen so who knows we <laughs> might have you know another top tier character die or maybe not so you know keep reading civil war follow up and and see what's going on but otherwise yeah just kind of you know enjoy your wednesdays every week something new is coming out something good's coming out always a win sounds good all right well uh if you want to if you had some more questions or you want to have your own two cents thrown in, you can contact me on Twitter at, at agent underscore of the underscore bat. You can get Chris at stuff I should say, uh, I believe. Should being, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I'm on the Twitter as stuff I should say, should being spelled S H U D. And uh, yeah. you can get the rest of Geek Elite Radio at, at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter. Uh, also come over to our Facebook page where most of our conversation is done and be a part of our community and, uh, be vocal and, you know, talk about anything, anything that's, uh, you want to talk about geek related. It's geek elite radio on Facebook. And that, that's the moment where you get to live out your moment as the question and ask the questions yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it, if, uh, you go and check out our website, geekeliteradio.com, you can get, you can check out the archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. So, uh, until then, this has been Imagine If Presents Characters 101, The Question, on Geek Elite Radio Network, saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.